0: Well, good morning, Orangewood. Great to see all of your faces this morning. Um, you can follow along on the screens as I read from the book of Isaiah, which our sermon is based on this morning. Friends, these words are utterly true, and they're given to us in love. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and the blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land in a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a tamarinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is it's stump friends. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Our gracious father, you know, the stories that we bring into this room, you know, the questions that we've asked the pain that we've carried. And so even in this advent, would you be very near to us? Would you meet us right where we are this morning with life? We pray this in Jesus name and everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated Uh, real quickly uh, before we get to the sermon. I just want to stop and say thank you for the ways you partnered and gave through our Thanksgiving fund for November, $35,000. That's incredible. Uh, Going completely out to serve uh, ministries uh, here and around the world. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, We turn now to our last uh, giving opportunity of the year, which is our year-end giving here at Orangewood. So be in prayer uh, for how God would use you in those ways. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, you've picked a great time uh, to be with us. Uh, we're in a sermon series uh, called A Weary World Rejoices. Try to say that three times fast. A Weary World Rejoices. And, uh, and in this, that comes from the, the great song we sing at Christmas, O oh Holy Night. And uh, if there is something we find ourselves in, it we find ourselves within a weary world. Uh, we, we, we look at the division, the political division. Uh, some say the, the, the largest it's been since the Civil War in our country. Uh, we look at the, the, the rise uh, uh, of another pandemic in our world, not the one you're thinking of, but the pandemic of loneliness. Uh, Japan recently put a delegate in charge of their government, their title, the Minister of Loneliness. Uh, Omicron is now apparently with us. That's the new variant. We live in a weary world. The weariness that we see in our world, we find exists right in our own souls. And if we can be honest, this Advent, we find that it's growing in us, this darkness, and we are praying for some light. Do you, do you feel that way? We live in a weary world. But I want you to know that in our passage this morning, uh, you are not alone. That this is the, the cry of Isaiah's heart that he says, maybe you connect with this same question that he asked. He asked us in verse 11. He says this Then I said, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Do you find yourself asking, How long, O Lord? And maybe, maybe you're here this morning, and, and for you, that's been a financial question this year. Uh, For some reason, your business, because of COVID, just has not bounced back the way your friends' businesses have. You you find yourself, gosh, we're still behind. I I still just can't cut it. Uh, um, uh, Maybe for you, you, you've kind of like, oh, I wish the problem was just COVID. No, I've kind of always been this way. The finances just never seem to work out. Uh, There's a debt that just seems to keep growing and somehow Christmas kind of furthers that debt. Maybe you're here this morning, just the finances for you and your life. And you you're asking that question, how long O Lord Uh, others of us, uh, the, this year has brought illness into your life or into the lives of a loved one. Uh, the, the diagnosis came back and it, it said what you had hoped it wouldn't, it says cancer. And so, and so your, your days are spent, uh, doctor's visits and surgeries and chemo and radiation, or your friend or a loved one is in that place in their life. And, and, and you keep saying, God, but how, why is this happening to them? That you will say how long, Oh Lord, uh, others of you, it, it, it's not a recent diagnosis. It's, it's a chronic illness that you've just been carrying behind the scenes for so long, and it's just been part of your life for so long and, and, and everyone looks at you and thinks everything's okay, but there's a loneliness that you carry in that pain. And in this season, you, you begin to ask even once again, Lord, will I ever feel normal again? Will, will I ever have my health like I had it at one point in my life? How long, O oh Lord? Others of us, we, we, we carry an anxiety, a depression. There's an exhaustion that marks and defines this season that we are in. Is heightened in this month and in a season of so much joy and happiness and cheer, we, we find ourselves saying, is something wrong with me because I feel like this? Amidst this season we feel overwhelmed and exhausted with our lives and it could be the demands of shopping and caring for aging parents or caring for kids it, 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 it's just another christmas being single it could be the family member you know you're going to see at christmas and you're praying and saying do i have to actually talk to them this year can i can i just can i just circle around the party and never have to make contact it could be the complexity of divorce, sharing the kids with your ex. How did we get here? How, how did this happen? It could be the sadness that this will be the first Christmas without them. The, their, their seat that you would be expecting them to sit in, they're not going to be there. How long, O oh Lord? Well, we have known and seen this darkness in our own lives. And Fleming Rutledge is an author, and she wrote a wonderful book on Advent. And this is how she explains Advent. She writes this. It is Advent, the deepest place in the church year. Advent for the world is a time of counting shopping days before Christmas. Advent for the church, it is the season of the shadows, the season of the works of darkness, the season in which the church looks straight down into its own heart and finds there the absence of God. Advent is the season where we we acknowledge and feel our longing inside, longing for God to set things right. We need the season of Advent to name what we all feel, that there is a longing within us where we have that question, cry out from within, how long, O Lord? Trying to find faith on the other side of that question, longing for good news to come, longing for light to come into the darkness, that our King would come and bring peace on earth and good news for all people. Advent is producing a spiritual longing within us because we recognize the chaos of our world exists in our own souls. We're looking for hope in the middle of the darkness, the great comfort we can take this morning is that we are not alone. This is the story of all of us. The story of our world and Advent is naming that there is a light coming. There is one who will come set all things right for you and for me, but we need to find that light this morning. How how, how do we find this kind of light in the darkness during the season of Advent? Well, Isaiah tells us there's three things. We have to see the voice. We have to see the assessment and we have to see the stump That's what's in our text. And so let's look first at the voice. And uh, we see it actually in verse 8. We read this. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who who will go for us? Isaiah says uh, we we need the voice of the Lord to come into our lives in a fresh way if we want to find light this Advent. You see, uh, the darkness comes into our lives through the ideas and images that we allow to speak to us, the the ideas and images that the the mental maps that we construct sometimes uh, to 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 create and, and to make sense of our world, but actually we only find they get us only into more trouble. I don't know if you've experienced this. I've experienced it in my life. Um, maybe you connect with this. Uh, for some reason in my life, um, you know, it, it would be reasonable to look at situations when things go wrong uh, to say, oh, you know. That this thing will work out just like it normally does. So things happen and, 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 and they normally work out. But why be reasonable? Why be reasonable when you can go to the worst case scenario? Anyone else, anyone else do this? Why be reasonable? We can go to the worst case scenario. What happened recently, we had a, an issue happen with our new house, and, and I was uh, working through this issue, an issue you all face. But in my mind, I went to, uh, well, we're going to have to dig up all of our floors, replace all of the plumbing under the house. I mean, I, I don't know how long it's going to take. Um, and of course, what happened? Everything works out, at least, at least to this point. Anyone else have a mental map of going to the worst case scenario? Uh, Jesus began his ministry, speaking light into the darkness. And this is what he said. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, Jesus invites us into light and, and, and invites us to change our mental map. See, he's he this word here. Repent. Now, if you're like me, you, you have a visceral response to that word. And, and my visceral response takes me back to college. When I was walking to the, the school library and, and on the steps of the, of the library, there was a man there with a microphone and he was yelling at everyone going in, repent or you're going to hell. Maybe, maybe you've encountered it. But when I hear the word repent, my, my visceral reaction is to go to that place in my mind. But, but Jesus's repent is invitational. Uh, The the Greek word is metanoete, which literally means to think about what you've been thinking about. What are the mental maps you've constructed for your life? What what are the ideas and images that you have allowed in that have only brought you further into darkness? Think about what you've been thinking. To listen to the voice of God instead of our mental maps. To trust God, to guide and lead you. Uh, This is is what we see in the story uh, of Christmas. The the voice of God comes to Joseph and says, listen, you cannot stay here. You need need to depart and go to Egypt. And what does Joseph do? He took his family to Egypt. Uh, It's the same story of Mary. Mary, The voice of God speaks to Mary through the angel. and says, you will carry God within you. And and Mary says, "I, I I am the servant. I have surrendered my will to you. That, that is stepping into the light. How, how do we develop that kind of response, that kind of trust? How do we do that? Well, uh, some spiritual practices that we could take on uh, to help us with this. One of those would be the practice of silence and solitude. Uh, the prophet uh, Elijah uh, uh, had hit a very dark place in his life. Maybe you've been there. Um, he, he, he looks around. He sees the, the destruction happening in Israel. Um, he, he, he cries out, I, I, God, I'm the only one left who serves you, uh, which wasn't true. But we get very outlandish when we think we're all alone. Um, and, and, but he goes and he has this moment with God, and it says that, that God spoke to him, not not through the earthquake, uh, but but it says that God spoke to him through the whisper. And, and that, that Hebrew word there for whisper uh, is, is actually he spoke to him in the silence. Uh, he, literally, he spoke to him in the thin silence. Uh, what would that look like for you to have that silence? Ruth Haley Barton shares a story of her own life. She was... Um, living way beyond margin, uh, fully uh, overwhelmed and in a hurry in every facet of her life. She couldn't say no to anything, always yes to everything. And she kind of reached this point in her life where uh, she was worked up, messed up and fed up. If you've ever been there, uh, it's like, I can't take this anymore. Um, and she shares a story. She saw her life at that point as if you went to the river and grabbed water in the river and that raging water is, it, is in the glass. It's still stirring and, and when you look through the glass, you can't see anything. It's opaque. The, the water's cloudy because of what's all stirred up. But if you allow that water to sit, to, to be still, the, the sediment will begin to drop and you'll be able to see clearly. She said that that, that was my life. I needed this silence, this, this moment where God could speak to me like Elijah, the, the thin silence Uh, And so maybe this week for you would be just spend two minutes a day, two minutes a day. Just start with two minutes. Don't be an overachiever. Two minutes is hard, but two minutes a day in silence with God, listening for his voice of love to speak over you. The second place you want to hear God speak to us is through scripture. We see this in Hebrews four. It tells us this uh, for the word of the Lord is living and active sharper than any two edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Uh, the, the scripture is our authority for how we hear the voice of God. We we allow God to speak and reshape the mental maps these these ways we formed of how we view the world. And God wants to speak into those. Uh, he wants to give light to those. And we actually see in the story of Jesus when he is tempted in the wilderness. Uh, we see the temptation of how God would speak to him, and, and he and um, or the devil would speak to him, and he he has these three. I would call them archetypal temptation patterns that he will use. And we see those in the story. It's the comfort, security, and power. That's how the devil will speak to us. He'll he'll tempt you there. And notice that he won't tempt you with 0% truth. Uh, The devil usually works in tempting you with about 95% truth. And the other 5% is from the pit of hell and will destroy your life. It's very rarely does the devil come to you and say, "Ah, you know, listen, 0% true. No, he's going to give you 95% and that 5% will lead you to utter darkness. But Jesus responds to the lies. He responds to these false ideas and images by quoting true scripture. You see, the devil had quoted scripture, but he twisted it to Jesus. Jesus actually quotes scripture back to him. He quotes the voice of God over it. That's, that's where the light comes. Have you allowed the scripture to be that light for you? Um, you see, and our lives were being shaped so much today by social media, by our newsfeed, our news sources, um, you know, we, we can find ourselves receiving ideas and images that um, may be, You may think that they're actually not that bad, but the half-truths actually are more destructive to leading us into the darkness. Uh, I want want to make sure I say this. I'm not against social media, though I don't use it. If you want to find me sometime, I'll tell you why I don't use it. But if you choose to use it, that's great. Don't hear me saying I'm against it. Uh, I'm not against CNN. Don't hear me saying that. I'm not against Fox. Don't But what I want to say to this is when our news source becomes our life source, That's when we know we need more of the voice of God in our life. Um, I I had a buddy who was sharing with me about his grandmother. Um, His grandmother, he would would joke about how when uh, he would go visit her, um, there was one news source that was always on in her house, and and the TV was on all the time. Anytime you go, the the news with this one news source was always on, and I'm not going to say, because I'm not going to get anyone in trouble. He's my friend, but uh, grandma had this one news source that she was always watching. And he made this joke one time. He says, when grandma dies, um, they're going to pull the TV. They're going to unplug that TV and they're going to find etched in the screen of that TV, the news source emblem, the branding, where it was located, because it had been on all the time. Now, I actually don't even know if that's true. If, that's, I mean, if there's an electronics person here, you could vouch if that's actually possible. But what I would say to that is, even if the news source wasn't etched into the TV, it was etched into her heart. That our news source can become our life source. And maybe God is just calling you this morning. What is the primary voice speaking into your life? Uh, because whatever it is, and if it's not me, if it's not the scripture, then you're going to find yourself being led further and further into darkness. And uh, Isaiah is calling us here to see what this life is like that Hebrews telling us about that, that, it cuts through. It, it speaks in, is there, is there in the authority over your life? Isaiah invites us to see this morning. We need more of this authority of the scripture into our lives to teach us, to remind our hearts of the light, to become the kind of people who walk in the way of Jesus and the community of love. And we need the voice of God if we want to find light in the darkness this Advent. But notice what this passage of Hebrews tells us. If scripture is alive, it will expose. That's the second thing we need if we want to find light this Advent, the assessment. And in our passage, God gives his assessment. This is what he says in verse 10. Verse 10. Uh, Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. We see in this verse God's assessment, and it's, it's not pretty. It's not pretty, their, their organs are not functioning correctly and properly. They, they cannot truly receive uh, the voice of God. It literally says their heart is fat. That's, that's what that word dull is. Their heart is fat. It's not working properly. Um, I had a friend who uh, went to the doctor recently. You you get to be uh, my age. Um, I just turned 40 and um, a moment of silence for me, please. Um, and uh, you know, also that means all my friends are starting to have those you know checkups too. And then it, it, he went to the doctor recently. They did all the blood work, and um, it came back. Listen, your uh, your cholesterol's high, and uh, your blood pressure's high. And uh, this is the assessment from the doctor. And 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 this guy, uh, in response to what the doctor was saying, decided, um, well, I, I I need to cut out meat from my diet. Which that to me sounds like death. But this is what he did after receiving the assessment. How how will you respond to the assessment? Friends, there is a person we are becoming. Look at this passage. God's assessment is left to ourselves. We will become blind and deaf. Left left to ourselves, uh, the, the heart will get fat. Darkness will take over. The doctor called with his assessment. God has an assessment for us this morning. Um, And as we become like what we worship, one of the major issues uh, that existed in ancient cultures was uh, the worship of idols. And and listen to Psalm 115. It, It really explains this. It says this. Our guys in the heavens, he does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. And those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Do you, do you hear the connection between Psalm 115 and our passage of Isaiah, the, 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 the life of the person who, who chooses to look to other things to find happiness other, and, other than God? Whatever that is you are looking to, it will only destroy you. Uh, it, it will only lead you into further darkness. But notice it doesn't happen quickly. It, it's this slow. You begin to lose your hearing. You, you, be, you begin to fall away. Uh, and notice it, it doesn't come quickly. It, it's like the sun as it sets gradually into the darkness. The hearts get dull. The ears get heavy. The eyes go blind. Usually some idol in your life will take over and it will take over very slowly. And it usually happens at such a slow pace. You, you look, you even assess it. And you may even say, what's the big deal? C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a wonderful book called The Great Divorce. It's a fiction story. Um, and, uh, in that he tells this scene of how the darkness just begins to take over slowly, gradually without notice. He says this hell begins with a grumbling mood, always complaining, always blaming others, but you are still distinct from it. You may even criticize it in yourself or wish you could stop it, but there may come a day when you can no longer. Then there will be no, you left to criticize the mood or even to enjoy it. But you just, but just the grumble itself going on forever, like a machine, it's not a question of God sending us to hell in each of us. There is some growing, which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. Uh, God's assessment. If we will listen this morning is that there is a darkness that is growing ever so slowly. The heart is getting dull the, the ears can no longer hear. Slowly, gradually, something right now, and you may even be able to name it and critique it in your life, but you're saying it's not that bad. Listen, Tyler, I've got friends who are infinitely way worse. Your own assessment of what is reality, but there will come a day when we won't be able to see it anymore. You will be so connected to the grumbling, so connected to the complaining, so connected to the envy that there's no you left. I think of the story of Edmund Dantes from the Count of Monte Cristo, if you know that story. Edmund uh, fell through the cracks of societal injustice. And, and, and the story is Edmund, Edmund became consumed by his revenge, consumed by his rage. Uh, he, he, he no longer could feel anything. He had become so one with his revenge, it consumed him. His, his heart became fat. And there was something that he had put his trust in to make him happy that only made him more miserable. That's what idols do. Idols say, if you come to me, if you surrender to me, I will make you happy. And in the end, they will only make you more visible or miserable until there's no you left. Uh, Jeffrey Sentenover uh, said this. Uh, he, I think he has dialed in on how idols work in our life. He said this idols ask for more and more while giving less and less until eventually they demand everything and give nothing. this invitation into the darkness, I I will make you happy. I will. I, I only ask a little bit right now, but 10 years from now, it will ask everything and give you nothing. Now, what usually happens right now, there's an awareness in you of some place of darkness, a place where you're saying, I know this is an area I need to get control of. But there's one area you're probably not thinking of. I know you're probably not thinking of it. These people weren't thinking of it in Isaiah. Uh, the, the, the place you're probably not thinking of is sitting right where you are on Sunday morning. What do I mean? Well, this, these verses from Isaiah 8, verses 9 and 10 are quoted several times in the New Testament. Several times. And every instance that I have seen in the New Testament, they're quoted speaking to religious people. They're, they're, they're quoted, given to the people who are, who are giving to the synagogue, who are reading their Bibles, discipling others. But their hearts were fat. Have you ever had a time in your life? You thought you saw something correctly. And then you realized after the fact I was completely wrong. Have you ever been there? You, you thought you saw someone you knew, and it turned out that wasn't them at all. It happened to me recently. It was driving over on Maitland Avenue. I came up to a red light thought I saw a friend looked like their car, exact match, saw the color of the car looked like their color of their car, exact match looked through the shadow of the window and looked like an exact match of their profile. And so I rolled down the window to completely get their attention ever been there only to have them turn their face to me and then realize it wasn't them. And friends, I'll just say this. There's no comeback at that point. Like you can't do anything. It's just roll the window up, look straight ahead and don't make eye contact anymore. You, you, there's no comeback. There's, there's no win. And this is what can happen in our lives, friends, is uh, we can make assumptions like these people did or people who encounter Jesus who said, you know, listen, I'm good. I'm good. Listen, Jesus, I know there's some things I need to work on. I know there's some things I need to get figured out. I know I'm venturing too far in the darkness, but listen, have you met my friend? Jesus, I know there's things I need to get worked out, but really, have you met my spouse? No pointing, okay? But usually it's really hard for us to get God's assessment of the darkness because we think the darkness is really out there or at least mostly out there. Those people, my coworker, my neighbor, my parent, my kid, my spouse, there's always someone we can find in our lives who we feel like, man, the darkness, God, is really down the street, just right around the corner. And God says, no. It's not down the street, it's, it's actually in your own home. In the core of your soul. Really, that's that was the issue with King Herod in the Advent story. King Herod, here's this there's a new king coming to power. I, 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 what do I have to do to smash this? David Martin Lloyd Jones was a wealth pastor, and he put into words. Something I never had realized, but was so true in my own life. He says this, you will never make yourself feel that you are a sinner because there's a mechanism in you as a result of sin that will always be defending you against every accusation. We're all on very good terms with ourselves and we can always put up a good case for ourselves. Even if we try to make ourselves feel that we are sinners, we will never do it. There's only one way to know that we are sinners And as to have some dim, glimmering conception of God. Friends, do you hear what he's saying? And I've never had anyone put it so clearly and so concisely. He's saying this. He's saying our sin will not allow us to see that our heart is fat. Uh, Our sin will will keep us thinking everything is okay. There's always these other people that have the real problem. The issue with seeing our sin is our sin. Lord Jones said, we just can't see it. This is why. We can judge everyone else in our life and never turn to assess the inner workings. I had this happen to me recently, um, which, by the way, if you're a guest, you're realizing very quickly I have a lot of issues. Um, But uh, back in October, there was a post going around uh, about that wonderful book that we gave out, Gentle and Lowly, if you were able to get a copy of it. And, um, people were commenting online. Pastors were, were commenting online. And one pastor had said, wow, what an amazing book. Gentle and lonely is. And it really is a phenomenal book. What an amazing book. Gentle and lonely is. And underneath this comment was another pastor. And that pastor said something along these lines. I'll paraphrase. Oh yes. Um, the, 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 that book is amazing. I have been saying it since the very beginning when it came out, when the author gave me an advanced copy. And my, you know judgment just starts. Pray, pray for me. And then, literally, as God is my witness, God is my witness, the very next day. Someone on staff sends an email. I cannot wait till Steve Brown is going to be here in November. He is going to be amazing. Can't wait to have Steve Brown here. And I literally started prompting writing the email because I'd had lunch with Steve Brown the very previous day. Oh, my goodness. Steve Brown is wonderful. You're going to love him. I had lunch with him yesterday. He is amazing. I hope you get to know him how I know him. Now, I know some of you are judging me, but that's okay. We all do this. We can judge everyone else literally and do the exact same thing. This is look what God says in verses 11 and 12. He says this until cities lie waste without inhabited houses, without people and the land is desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain, it will be burned again. Friends, this is not a great scene. This is a picture of decreation. Decreation is happening. The darkness and the sin are taking over the world. The creation is being pummeled into the ground, driven into isolation. Rather than having peace and shalom, chaos is taking over. Darkness is taking over. And we see that the darkness isn't just out there in the world. The darkness is in here, in me. The decreation is happening in me. The chaos in me. But God's assessment is that this chaos is only the byproduct in the world that exists in myself. Our hearts are dull and Advent is the season that God gives us the invitation. He gives us to look in once again and say, Lord, will you make things right in me? Will you set the light in me? But the question is, if this is God's assessment, how can we possibly have faith and trust that the light will come? If we can actually look and assess and say, well, okay, there's a lot in there that needs renovation. There's a lot of decreation happening in me. How how can we possibly know that God will step in and make things right? How can we possibly have hope? How How can we possibly have faith in something this Advent? Well, we see it right at the end of our passage. Isaiah tells us about the stump. The stump. Uh, Look at the end of Isaiah six, it says this, and though a 10th will remain in it, it will be burned again, like a tambourinth or an oak whose whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. God says, when the darkness is taken over, when it, when it looks like there's no hope, when the land has been burned to nothing, and it looks like there is no way back from this, When the fire and the smoke clears, when we can look and assess the land, as we see in our passage, that there is a little stump right there, (laughs) decreation everywhere else, but a stump. When it feels like the darkness is going to win, when we keep crying out, how long, oh Lord, there's a stump promising another world is being recreated right in the midst of this broken and chaotic world. There's a stump promising another world is available to you this morning. If you want it light in the darkness of whatever you're facing this morning, light promising, there is a reason to hope no matter the chaos that fills your soul, a light promising, no matter how great the darkness is, that Advent is the promise that light will come and break in. Why? Because there's a stump. Most people assessing this scene in Isaiah would not be gleaming with hope, but probably much like you were. Uh, they wouldn't be gleaming with promise. It's not a great scene. There's a stump. That's it, a stump. Everything else is scorched, everything else is decreation. How do we make sense of this? What is this stump? Or more important, who is this stump? Who is this stump? Look Look at what it says at the very end of the passage, the very last words of our section. It says this, the holy seed is its stump. We're invited this morning into the light that we are all looking for, the healing that we're all longing for to bring peace to our chaos. I know it doesn't look like much. I know it just looks like a stump amidst a very barren land, but that stump is actually a seed. Friends, this is the story of the Bible. The stump is actually the seed that the decreation that began in the garden of Eden would be redeemed, the darkness that fills our world and exists in us, that we begin to look and peer back at in Advent of one who would come and set all things right. Uh, listen to Genesis 3.15. This is the very beginning of our story of the Bible. It says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise, uh, your head. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, Maybe it has it in your version of the Bible. Maybe you notice a footnote in your Bible, but the Hebrew word for offspring is actually the word seed. It's not a plural. It's a singular. The, The seed will defeat the evil one. He will destroy the darkness. He will bring peace in the chaos. He will allow the weary world to rejoice. And this is how the disciple John described the one who would come and bring light into the darkness. He said this. And the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. And Him was the light, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friends, I don't know how. You can look into this, this Advent. I know it looks like a stump in a barren field, but the stump is actually the seed. Jesus Christ is the one who will come bringing the life for anyone longing for it this morning, that he will come bringing it to anyone who actually will reach out and take it. He is offering you life. The one who is coming, bringing light into all the darkness. How could there possibly be hope with this stump? I know it doesn't look like much, How do we know he is the light of the world? Well, the clearest place we see the light has come into our world through Jesus. The seed is that on the cross, he bore all the darkness Uh, 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 on the cross. Jesus allowed decreation and judgment, the barrenness of this world, the pain of this world, the injustice of this world to come crashing down on him on the cross. He allowed sin to overwhelm him. He was alienated from God and experienced the chaos in his own soul. He he cried out, my God, my God. Jesus essentially cries out just like you. How long, O Lord? How long? He cries out so that we can know without a shadow of a doubt that the light has come into our broken world. All is finished. All is being made new in him. Light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome him. Darkness gave its best shot at taking out this stump, but Jesus rose, declaring no matter who you are, no matter what darkness fills your life, no matter what chaos fills your soul, there is a light if you will reach out and take it. There is a new kind of life available to you this morning. The stump is actually the seed. Jesus Christ is the one who has come to set all things right in our world, all things right in you and me. There is a stump, there is a light. For you and me this morning, go to him, put your trust in him, put your confidence in him. Whatever darkness fills your soul, it's not the end. It's not the last word. He's not done with you. He's working and the light will come. Let's pray. Our gracious father, we thank you for this scene in Isaiah. It's the scene of Advent. It's the the scene of of barrenness and darkness and and that, that there's one who will come to set all things right. And so God, would you allow us by your spirit to put our faith and trust in Jesus that whatever darkness may feel like it is consuming and overcoming, that Lord, through your light and through your grace, you would make all things new in our world and in us. We do pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen.